You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone, super excited to bring you a Trent Deersmith today. He is the founder and CEO of Flowster, which is a software company for e-commerce entrepreneurs to improve workflow automation through the creation and use of standard operating procedures. So that's a mouthful, but I'm going to let Trent explain what that is in a second. But first and foremost, Trent, welcome. How is everything going? Thank you very much for having me on the show, Eric. Things are going really well. As I mentioned, I'm up in Canada right now with my family for five weeks in an Airbnb. We're getting to, since we got out of quarantine, we get to explore some new neighborhoods. Where did you escape from to, to go so to Canada? So we're both, we're both Canadians. We've been living in the U.S. for a long time. Uh, currently home is Boise, Idaho, and we are just having a look at moving back to Canada. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. So yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. I mean, I, before Flowster, you had another company that was actually one of Canada's fastest 100 growing companies. Can you talk about that a little bit and then maybe how that progression led to what you're doing right now? Sure. So that company is actually still in business. I took a management buyout, gosh, a long time ago now, about eight or nine years. So that was my very first real business. And it was an IT managed service provider. So basically what that meant was we would charge our clients a monthly fixed retainer fee and we would remotely monitor their servers and their backup and we'd patch all the servers and we provide a remote help desk and so forth. And just thanks to the fact that a lot of folks in that niche weren't really very good at marketing, we were. So that's what caused the company to grow as quickly as it did. And I have been a student of marketing ever since. So after I sold that business in 08, I moved from Vancouver, where I'm originally from, down to San Diego, mostly because I really don't like rain and it rains way too much in Vancouver. Originally, I thought I was just going to go be a real estate investor. I was going to do something that wasn't behind the screen anymore. And in late 08, early 09, it was pretty hard to buy real estate because it, has, it was so depressed that nobody wanted to sell it. They didn't want to lock in their losses. So I was also learning how to surf because I was living in a beach house at the time. And, and it changed my life because I met another surfer, this girl named Haley. And one day I, we were just chatting, waiting for waves. And we started talking about work. And, and she'd mentioned to me that she was uh, making all this money working online. And I was like, well, how does that really work? I don't, I don't know anything about that stuff. And so she explained to me what an affiliate marketer was. And shortly thereafter, because of the lifestyle, I thought, well, I'm going to do that. And started off as an Amazon affiliate and started doing pretty well. Was making, you know, several thousand dollars a month. And then I started a blog to talk about it. And then I started a podcast to talk about it. And that just put my life on a, on a whole different trajectory. And I guess to tie the, the, the bow on, so how I got to where I'm at is, over the years, the podcast has allowed me to meet a lot of different people. And occasionally, I alter or try new business ideas because of the people that I meet. And in 2016, uh, we had been running a digital agency for a number of years, largely because the podcast built me an audience and people would contact us when they wanted help. And this guy was selling on Amazon, and I became very fascinated with the way that he was doing it. So we set out to do it and it took off like crazy. Within five months, we were doing over a hundred grand a month. We did over a million in the first year. That company has been twice ranked now on the Inc. 5000 list of fast growing private companies. And I don't even work there anymore. And so that was a, a, a big game changer. I worked there in the beginning, obviously. 
And the thing that happened was about a year after I started the company, we were growing really, really fast. And I got invited to speak at a conference about the growth. I did not have a software company at the time. So I got up on stage and I said, hey, everybody, you know, it's nice to be here. I know you all know me from my podcast and my YouTube channel. Um, I don't have anything for sale. I'm just going to explain to you how I did, how I accomplished what I did. And the, the talk was basically about how I had systematized everything, documented all of our processes into basically glorified checklists, and then gone to the Philippines, where I've been working with virtual assistants for years already, and just hired a bunch of them to do all the labor that was involved with sourcing new products and product research and analyzing all like really, really repetitive, but super boring stuff that I did not want to do. And it worked really well because five people can outwork one person pretty easily. And much to my surprise at the end of that talk, a huge chunk of the audience were like, Hey, um, could we, can we buy a copy of those, those, those standard operating procedures? And now we've sold millions of dollars worth of them because we agreed to do it, obviously. And uh, now I'm the founder of Flowster because shortly after we first started selling them, they sold so briskly, like we did $400,000 in the first week, the light bulb went on. I'm like, oh, well, I need a software company for this. Because at the time, you know, we didn't really have a place to put the content. We put it in another software company that are now a competitor to us. Got it. So I, I want to backtrack a little bit. I think it's, it's, you know, the audience really likes to hear numbers so they can get a sense of, you know, how they should be progressing over time. So whatever you're open to share, I guess, you know, the going back to, was that company, uh, Durand? Durand? Yep. Yep. That was so Durand. How, so that company, you can just give a range. That's fine too. Approximately how much did you exit for and how long did you work on that for? And then, you know, the e-commerce stuff, you said multiple seven figures. So I just want the audience to get a sense of the scale yeah. they achieved. So the first business was doing about 2 million. When I sold it, it took eight years to get there because two things. One, you know, yours truly, truly was a first time entrepreneur and I was literally like making every mistake in the book. And second of all, that business model wasn't super scalable. Customer acquisition was ridiculously difficult. And so that taught me a lot. I never ever wanted to be in a business where customer acquisition was that difficult. So I sold it for 1.2 million. Being a kid that grew up, honestly, on welfare, uh, that was a lot of money. Uh, that was like life-changing money. And I didn't get it all, but I got most of it because I had a co-founder and I had a shareholder. That gave me runway to do other things without having to worry about where's my paycheck coming from in two weeks. And, and that was, uh, was a big deal. Got it. Cool. And then, then you, you decided to, okay, you got, you got some runway to go and then now you got this, this Amazon stuff going and then you grow an e-commerce site to a couple million bucks a year. Now you're on to Flowster. So talk to us about, uh, I guess the, the problem that it solves, how much it costs for people, how do you make money, all that cool stuff. Sure. So the problem it solves is, is actually quite simple to understand. Think about in, in any business. I mean, our, our software could be used by any industry. We just choose to market it to e-commerce. In every company, you have all these repetitive things, processes. You know, I've got, got to publish a blog post. I got to do keyword research. I got to create a Facebook campaign. I got to optimize a Facebook campaign. I got to hire somebody. I got to fire somebody. Like there's just endless numbers of repeatable processes that are largely known in advance. So our software gives you a place to create those processes in a, in a basically a digital interactive checklist. So that, and this is the big one for me, so that you can easily delegate that process to either an employee or a virtual assistant. And we make extensive use of virtual assistants just because the labor rate is so much lower. And if you give them 
a really good process, they can be every bit as effective at doing whatever that particular task is as a U.S. employee that costs, you know, five times as much money. So the other thing, when I mentioned we, we are marketing it specifically to e-commerce, what I learned when I was on stage that day and all those people wanted to buy my processes and then did was that people wanted processes, but they didn't know how to make them and they didn't want to put the time into making them because to create a really detailed process, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of detail, a lot of screenshots, big red arrows, descriptions, all that kind of stuff. And so when, when we figured out that people would pay money, you know, in my case, I was selling my package of pre-made processes for 2,500 bucks a pop and we sold lots of them. I thought, well, okay, so in addition to having this software platform, I need to make available to my customers a big library of pre-made workflow templates so that they can immediately start getting the benefit of the software without all the labor of like having to spend hours sitting down and making all this content. Got it. So what is the, so I, I hear you on the processes standpoint, I guess the, what does the actual software do? Is it just, Hey, you're paying a SaaS fee and then uh, they're logging in to access those processes or what is it? Yeah. It, it, so it facilitates the process of delegation. So think about if I have this thing that I want someone on my team to do, I need to have a process for it. I need to be able to assign it to them and I need to be able to give the due date because as your team grows, there's more and more activities being delegated to this person and this person and this person and, and managers need the ability to make sure stuff is getting done on time. So that is what I'll call basic project management functionality. So we have all of that functionality and, and then we have what I consider to be, I call it the magic button. So the way our software works is let's just talk about producing a podcast because that's a highly repetitive activity in my business. So my process for producing a podcast is like 90 steps long. So, you know, there's all this stuff that you got to do and it shows you how to do everything. And then at any point in time, my team will have mm, eight to 10 episodes in various stages of production. So the master copy, we call it a template and then like a workflow template. And then every episode that's currently in some stage of production, we just call it a workflow. So let's say that I go to a conference or I talk to you and I discover some new, better improvement to our podcast production process. And this is what I love about the software and this is the magic button. I can go into that master template, make whatever changes to the process I want, change an image, add a new step, remove a step, whatever it is. And as soon as I'm done, the software will say, hey, you have eight other workflows for eight other episodes that are dependent upon this template and you've just made changes to this template, do you want me to update all those other workflows? And the value of that when you have a remote team is huge because I can make that change and then I don't have to like do a Zoom call and have a training session and bring everybody up to speed. I don't have to do any of that stuff because when they log into the software next, if I added step 14, they're going to see step 14 and it's not checked as being done yet. So they can't complete the process. So they're naturally going to go and read the instructions for step 14, do whatever those instructions were and put a tick box in, in step 14 when they're done. So I'm able to easily push out improvements to our process to my entire team, no matter where they are, just by making the changes to that one template. Got it. So just to get a sense of the business today, uh, how many paying customers do you have? 
Got it. That's pretty good. And what are we talking about in terms, I'm looking at your website right now. What does pricing look like? So as it stands right now, pricing is too low. The way it works is you can get, we have a freemium model. We're about to convert to a free trial model instead, but on freemium, you can, one user can have up to five workflow templates. I think it is in their account for free forever. If they exceed five, then they go up to $15 per month for the, there's, we have three types of accounts. There's the administrator who has powers to do everything. That's 15 a month. Then there's what we call a member. So that'd be like an employee who you want to be able to create, edit, and assign workflows to other people. They're 15 bucks a month. And then the virtual assistant folks, we call them, I guess they're free. You can have as many of those as you want. And then as your the volume of templates in your account goes up, I think it goes as high as $30 per month. Got it. So that's, that's how it is today. Anyone who signs up today, they'll get grandfathered in for that. It is going to go up because we realize we underpriced ourselves quite a bit, actually. And so it'll go as high as uh, enterprise accounts will be $99 a month. And then you have access to, you know, the whole thing. You can put as many templates in there as you want. We're continually creating new playbooks, we call them. Like, for example, I think we're, well, by the time this is live, I'm sure this will be live, but we've got an, what we call an Amazon seller playbook. So that is a huge library of all of the processes that someone who is either a brand selling via their own seller central account or a brand management agency that's managing a seller central account for a brand or anyone who's running their own private label business and wants to run their own seller central account, that, that playbook includes every process you could ever imagine to be able to, uh, to run and grow that business. So would it be right for me to, I'm just giving a range right now. So 550 paying customers, I'm going to just cut your slice in between your 15 and 30. So 22 and a half, is that about 12 to 15 K in, in monthly recurring revenue right now? Awfully close. Good guess. And that has happened with zero ad spend so far because for up until October 1st of this year, the company was basically me and the co-founder. And I was the customers, like we have 5,000 or 6,000 freemium users. Basically everybody just came because of my podcast. They knew about my podcast and then they would buy my Amazon reseller content and they would become customers. And until we, because we're bootstrapping, I wanted to wait until we had kind of enough cash. And now we've hired a VP of marketing and now we're, we're turning on ads. We're starting SEO. We're doing, we're hiring people for cold outreach. We're starting a new show for the, for the, that's going to be the Floster podcast. There's going to be a whole bunch of things that, you know, you would expect a SaaS company to do to grow. And so I would, I would hope that our, that our MRR is going to scale significantly over the next 12 months. So, I mean, let's talk about the, the podcast acquisition system, right? So I think it'd be good for people to know because one of the things I like to talk about is building the brand first, if you can. Roughly how big is the podcast right now? Just so people can get a sense, oh man, I can just build a podcast and start to build a SaaS company or a YouTube channel, right? I want them to have that, that hope. Yeah, my podcast, I've been, I've been doing it for 10 years, but honestly, it hasn't always been my number one focus. And so my audience is not nearly as big as it probably could have been. I get somewhere between 10 and 15,000 downloads a month. I've done now, you know, solid. Yeah, I mean, if you think about that, if you think about there's between 10 and 15,000 people listening to my voice every single month, month after month. Yeah, that's a lot of people. And I'm sure many of them are repeat listeners and so forth. So the podcast has been, um, honestly, next to my software company, the smartest thing I've ever done because right. it's given me the, and, and, and now like, I am not the greatest strategist in the world. I'm more of like start shooting and then start aiming and then start figuring it out. I'm really good at that. 
Yeah. And if I had been a lot more strategic with how I recruited guests and the type of guests that I recruited and so forth, I think I could have done quite a bit better job. But nonetheless, I fumbled my way to around 15,000. Still, still counts. Ready, fire, aim. That's the way I like to play too. So, you know, working towards wrapping up here, I have a final few questions for you. What would you say is your most favorite tool that you've added in the last 12 months, but it cannot be your own SaaS product? Favorite tool? I, Zapier. I've been using it for longer than 12 months, but I'm an automation freak and I you make ridiculous use of Zapier. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a follow-up because I know you're a workflow person. So what's your favorite Zap right now? What is my favorite Zap? Oh man, I've got like literally like 50 or 60 of them. So I, I couldn't even tell you what my favorite that's okay, is. Okay, that's fine. Next question then would be, what's, what's the book that you recommend to the audience? Favorite book? I'm going to go back in the Wayback Machine and call out The E-Myth by Michael Gerber because it literally changed the direction of my business career. I read that book back when I had my, my Durand company and it was pivotal in helping me as a newbie, didn't know what the hell I was doing CEO to figure out how to make a little company, you know, turn into a more successful little company. Got it. Well, Trent, this has been great. I mean, where can people go to learn more about you and also the software? So for Flowster, they can go to flowster.app. It's spelled just like you'd expect, flowster.app. If they're interested, my, my personal brand website is the Bright Ideas brand, and that's at brightideas.co. And from there, you can, and I've got a very unique name. Literally, if you just Google my name, you'll find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and all the Twitters and everywhere else. All right, Trent, thanks so much for doing this. Eric, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.